welcome to episode 32 of In and Out of Character, a role player's podcast. Have you ever done something or was doing something or talking to someone and someone said something that made you go, wait, what? How? That's how I felt with today's guest. They're called, their name is Fluffles. And I met them on another Discord server. I met them on a Guild Wars 2 role-playing server because I wanted to... I've been wanting to see what role-play is like in the Guild Wars 2 community. And they were talking about Roblox. Uh, Roblox role-play in, in the server. And I was so fascinated by this that I just had to get them on to the show ASAP. So I, like, I immediately reached out to them and I set something up and... I got them onto the podcast, and I'm so excited to share that with you, because I didn't know Roblox roleplay was a thing, or maybe I did, but maybe it just never really sat in my head. No one has ever came to me and been like, hey, I'm a Roblox roleplayer, which is fine. It is totally fine. So anyways, let's get uh, Fluffles in. Now, before we begin, I do want to remind everybody that we do have a Discord. Please come join the Discord. It would be great to have you. I would be love, I would be love, I would love to be talking with you and everybody else. I love roleplay. I'm very passionate about it or else I wouldn't be doing this. Absolutely come and join us. We have, uh, the link will be down below. Uh, we, we look forward to meeting you. If you're on YouTube, please, you know, subscribe. That'd be wonderful. You know, like it, share it, do all that other good jazz. If you're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, leaving a review, fantastic. Leaving a comment, fantastic. I think you can do that per episode now. I don't entirely know for sure. <laughs> Maybe I should find out. I've already rambled on too much this intro, so let's just go ahead and give them a call. Hi, I am Fluffles, and I'm here to talk about, well, to be honest, I don't know. All I know is that it involves uh, uh, roleplay. Yeah, so, okay, the reason, okay, so one of the biggest reasons why I I asked you to come into the podcast is because you were talking about Roblox Roleplay and another uh, server that you and I are both a part of. We're both a part of the Guild Wars 2 Living World Roleplay server, Um, and you were talking about Roblox Roleplay, and I had no idea Roblox... Roblox Roleplay was even a thing. I had, I'd never even considered it an option. Okay. Well, you you have to look at the, the, the how it, um the way Roblox is designed. Like uh-huh. it started out as a central hub where players from all over could go and create their own game from scratch however they wanted so long as they learned a little bit of coding. Mm-hmm. Like you could have first person shooters. You could have um like a Trouble in Terrorist Town. You could do uh, Hide and Seek or Prop Hunt. Mm-hmm. And uh, what a lot of people have done is they've made role-playing games. Now, typically there's three types of role-playing games, right? Mm-hmm. So the first type is made by people who are just looking to capitalize on Roblox's uh Robux to real money concept. They'll set up a, a world with a bunch of cars, houses, activities you can do. Mm-hmm. And it'll be a sort of modern life roleplay. Now, I don't touch those games because a lot of it is um, young children wanting to play house. You know, normally mm-hmm. it's not so bad. But I'll, I'll get to that 
a bit later. Um, then the second type, which I have a strong, very strong dislike for, is the type of role-playing game that sets up a very gloomy forest. Mm-hmm. And right when you load into the game, you have the ability to fully customize with hats, accessories, different clothing, hell, even different body models, whatever. And you could play, oh, I don't know, a wolf demon or a vampire or whatever. It It's meant for the edgy middle schoolers who want to live out their fantasy as uh, a furry. And I pray to God eventually abandon it. But... <laughs> Um, but moving on, the third type of, uh, role-playing game mm-hmm. is the more serious post-apocalyptic or medieval fantasy type of role-play. And now, this one in particular is very important because it is the main hub where a lot of the more mature players of the platform go if they want to find a decent roleplay community. Mm-hmm. Now there's there's a uh, there's a Roblox user out there his name he goes by uh, Chad the Creator and he makes um he is currently working on two side-by-side uh um role-playing games so like i said there's the post-apocalypse uh which is his most popular i guess franchise Mm -hmm. or or series ip whatever you want to call it and that is called after the flash now after the flash there are as well last time i played there were about seven of them now the first two were they were okay, but mm-hmm. the majority of the community were, um, didn't show up on Roblox until um, much later on. Because Roblox was around since oh, 2006, I think. Or no. Two, yeah, 2006 it came out. And then right around 2008 is when a lot of creators started actually making games like this. But 2010 to 2012 is when the population really started increasing. And I remember the first instance of roleplay that I had ever joined was after the Flash 3, Sandstorm. Now, before I continue on about after the Flash, I did want to mention that his other IP is known as Farlands. And his first one wasn't too popular, but his second one, after he made a name for himself with his After the Flash games, really started popping off. And it's just pure fantasy, uh, like uh, medieval fantasy, like you'd find in uh, Guild Wars 2 or Black Desert Online. Um, Not so much... It was very based around Lord of the Rings. You know, you you didn't have this fancy magical technology like you have in Guild Wars 2 with the Asura. You don't have our Final Fantasy with Magitek. You know, it, it was very traditional in how it handled things. And the magic was very... There were limitations and you had to kind of follow a specific school. You couldn't have more than two types of magic and whatever. 
Um, before I continue on, uh, do you have any comments about that or questions well, for me? I'm really, I'm really, so is it exactly, in what way is it like, how is it compared to, let's say, World of Warcraft roleplay or even Guild Wars 2 roleplay? Okay, so, um, the thing, the big thing with a lot of MMORPGs and the roleplaying communities within these games is that at its core, the game Despite being called a role-playing game, at its core, the game is simple. You have a bunch of objectives, there's a story, a bunch of quests that you have to follow. Mm -hmm. And RP community is kind of, once you're done the main story, or you get through a decent chunk of it and you want to take a break, um, the, RP, the RP community kind of steps off to the side to do their own thing and make their own side stories using the lore that's been given to them. Mm -hmm. Now, it's the developers who decide what happens as a grand scheme, um, what happens to the world itself, and how time advances. But after the Flash, everything is by the players. Mm -hmm. So role-playing games on Roblox are specifically designed for roleplay. There is no there are no quests. There there is no consistent story. There's mm -hmm. now that's not to say there is no grand story. Mm -hmm. But you look at Final Fantasy um RP or at least the ones before it turned into Smut um and Guild Wars uh RP the stories the RP communities, especially the larger ones, will host will host these grand events, right? And depending on whatever guild you belong to, that will be your guild's main story to follow along, and that is the lore you're going to be using for a lot of your uh, stories, and that's going to be incorporated into your character. But Final Fantasy, or not Final Fantasy, after the Flash, on the other hand. Mm -hmm. everything is community-driven. Yes, the developers of the game will have their own events, but the RP events are canon, 100%. And the end result, based on what players do, will mm -hmm. determine how that plays out. Like, for example, um, in After the Flash 6, um, there was a huge... Actually... That's a bad example. I don't have a whole lot of experience with that one. Let's do After the Flash 5. Okay. So after the Flash 5, there there were two major factions. Or sorry, three major factions. So throughout the franchise, there's always been two major um, factions that have gone head-to-head. -head. There's the uh, USCPF, I believe they're called. The United mm -hmm. States uh, Cili uh, Civ uh, Civilian Preservation Force, or, or something like that. And then there's the CDF, which is the Civilian Defense Force. Now, the U.S. Uh, CPF are American military remnants in this nuclear apocalypse who have banded together, recreated, reestablished their own government, and patrol uh, most states um, in order to kind of bring back order. The CDF, on the other hand, 
they didn't really like how the country was run before, or at least those that remembered it uh, when it was early enough. Um, and eventually it became more of a, there shouldn't be a, a singular body of government. We want our civilians to kind of do their own thing, and we're going to protect them to that end. So they butt heads a lot, right? Because it's two conflicting powers. But in the fifth after the Flash, there was a third faction that was sort of a bandit faction. Um, and it became absolutely massive. So this one was set in uh, Pearl Harbor. So uh, uh, I believe that is Honolulu, Hawaii. I'm not familiar with American geography. Um but ascent, uh, it was either Honolulu or Oahu or, or whatever the whatever it's called. Yeah. Um, actually, I can look that up right now. Where is Pearl Harbor? Might as well learn. Yeah, Oahu. Okay. Um, so essentially, uh, there were the entire well, the majority of the surrounding bay was completely wiped out. There was a dam that was built by, uh, I believe, the U.S. CPF. And so you had the Sand Sharks, which were the the bandits, and they were split up amongst four different, uh, I, I guess you could call them tribes. Now, I can't remember them all, but um, there were sewer rats, uh, Amazons, who were... Uh, I believe the Amazons were like slightly mutated uh, women who were uh, particularly stronger and actually resided in a, an area that saw a massive uh, jungle growth. Um, and uh, so I can't remember which... Because uh, I had two characters on that game and... One was the child of the other. So there was a small little uh, approved faction. So in order to create an official faction, um, you have to get it approved and write it into the lore and make it make sense. So ours were just the rangers. And so the rangers were a sort of vigilante force that would take down uh, highwaymen and, you know, kind of keep the peace when the CDF were otherwise occupied. Mm -hmm. Now, and, out of curiosity, really quick before we get to doing, are these yes. all actual other players, or are all these yes. just stored? These are, so all these are just other players? Yeah. All these That's factions so cool. are all these factions are entirely uh, players. So before, um, servers were only 25 players, but then they, Roblox increased the the server size to 50 players. So now you have all, there's not a single NPC. Um, people will make uh, will dress themselves up as uh, like I guess side characters if they need to move the story along because mm -hmm. you don't have to make a whole new character, right? Um, it's not like RPGs where you, you make one character and that's what they look like, and regardless of whatever class class or classes you choose. 
that character is always that character. And you have to make a whole new one and level it up, whatever. This one is not like that. You can change your hairstyle, you can change your uh, uh, clothing and everything. All, and it's usually like one-time purchases, but there are free options. And um, a lot of uh, role-playing games will offer customization options. So everything is completely player-driven. One hundred percent. That's so cool. So, are there are there role play? Okay, so do they have things set up to where people understand that that server that you might be going into is a role play specific server? Yes. So, um, so there's different tags that you can set uh, for games on Roblox. You can set it like action, first person shooter, role playing, um, and, and stuff like that. Um, and you can also make your own thumbnails um, and sort of, uh, I guess, cover art for uh, your particular game. And so what he started doing, he, his is After the Flash roleplay. Mm-hmm. And they have a, I don't know if they still do, but they had a very, very active community filled with thousands of players. And a very uh, persistent administration team. So the admins would sort of police the type of role play that went on. Like mm-hmm. you'll you'll have the majority of the community will have fully typed out actions, and the rule of thumb is the first person to um, type out their action gets priority. They were faster than you, so their action goes first. And um, but if you have a type of player who, you know, comes in with uh, using a like one of the alternative body models that don't look good at all, you know, they're using a sort of uh, a morph. Um, like one thing that happened in After the Flash Three was a lot of um, inexperienced people were using the USCPF uh, seal morph. Now, the seals are not like Navy seals. They are synthetically engineered. It's a synthetically engineered assault league or whatever, Mm -hmm. or assault legion or whatever. And basically, they are synthetically engineered super soldiers. And they require a lot of backstory. And especially now, there's a lot more restrictions on who can actually play them because... Um, seals are, it was made with a pre-war technology right at the very end of the war. And the only ones who are alive now in the current lore, um, and and sort of, uh, time span, um, Mm -hmm. are old veterans who are like 40, 50 years old. And they're the only ones who can actually wear these suits because these suits weigh like 400 pounds. Um... So, when you have uh, players coming in, using those morphs, not knowing the lore at all, and their grammar is completely atrocious and very simplified, and and they end up wanting to just shoot everybody for no... Or, in other words, random killing, or... Mm or, um, They're not there to roleplay, they're they're there to... No, no, no. Yeah. They are the, they are there to role play. It's just they don't know how to do it properly. They haven't. They're too oh. young to know the proper role play etiquette. And right. so what'll happen is the admin will come in, 
give them a few warnings, and if they keep it up, it'll be a kick. If they come back, do it again, it'll be a ban. Um, and this is very important, because a lot of the reason why I don't touch the, the, um, like, the modern life and the furry edgelord, um, role-playing uh, games is because you have all these little kids who have no RP etiquette and get mad when something doesn't go their way, and they demand that you um, adhere to uh, them attacking you for no reason. Mm-hmm. So, it, it's a bunch of nine-year-olds. I mean, what can you really expect? So that's really cool. So every server is set up almost like a guild in a way where you have moderators who are watching the um under i shouldn't say underlings the moderators watching the players uh, and making sure that no one is trying to god mode or be a mary sue or anything like that that's pretty cool yes and no so mm -hmm. there's a community for after the flash and there's a community for uh the far lands um because they are two separate ips or entities mm -hmm. um they have two different dev teams but the dev teams will go in and moderate typically uh, typically the um the latest two games ish because once uh once the creator moves on there's still support for uh the most recent game before the latest release mm -hmm. um and then eventually he just moves on to the latest one and everything before it becomes abandoned like, you'll go in to After the Flash 3, nothing's updated, guns are broken. Now, the guns and stuff and the weapons, they don't actually hurt other players. It's more for props and acting stuff out. Although, okay. After the Flash 5, um, After the Flash 5 Rain got a... It was, I believe it was one of the first games to get a 0.5 variant and now after the flash 5.5 was known as after the flash frost now after the flash frost was basically instead of oahu and pearl harbor being a complete desert wasteland this takes place way earlier in the lore before the USCPF really gained a foothold and the CDF really came into fruition and it was basically the wild, wild west, right? Everyone mm -hmm. was gunning each other. Supplies were a lot more scarce. Uh, there were mutants out and about. And so because this is hostile in nature, he decided, I wonder how much more, impa I wonder how much more impactful um, roleplay could be if PvP was enabled. So, it nuclear winter uh, in Oahu, um, mm -hmm. and PvP enabled. But the problem with that is, everyone's still following roleplay etiquette, and who lives and who dies is now fully dependent on actual skill with uh, third-person shooting. Um, or, as the Roblox community likes to call it RCL. Um, so it's not like a typical third-person shooter where your camera is locked on. Mm -hmm. You can move You move your character independently and just move your uh, 
your mouse cursor around to aim at the enemy. Um, and it uses ray casting to uh, target the target whoever you're shooting. So your character could even be looking away from uh, from the enemy, but so mm -hmm. long as your cursor is has line of sight and wherever the shots are coming from on your gun, so obviously the end of the barrel is in line of sight, then there will be a hit. Right? Mm-hmm. So, having that sort of risk of death is good for roleplay, but the problem is when you get the nine-year-olds flooding in who just want to shoot everybody and ruin everything because that's what they do. Ruin everything. So, um, admins have to watch a lot more closely on games like that. Um, but for those particular games, they will just uh, kick and then ban outright. No mm. warning, right? Because you, it, it's not meant for players like that. Like, there's a normal version of the game that they can go play. Mm-hmm. But... Everything is so as I was saying earlier, everything is player driven. So right. you had the sand sharks, like four different uh tribes within the sand sharks. You had two other uh factions. There are little settlements and towns all over the place. And um the they have a story writer team and they're the ones that determine which faction gets what and if you want to do something like have a major faction take over a, a town or, or or a fortress or whatever, you would submit your idea to the uh, to the writer team, and they would approve it. They would either approve it with you or decline your request. In the event that they approve that they approve it, they will help you write out the basic scenario. Like, mm -hmm. oh, these guys are going to get together and they're going to go attack this place and they're going to use this method. And then everything after that will be de determined by the players, whether um, the defenders are fast enough and skilled enough to actually defend the place or mm -hmm. lucky, because a lot of it is luck based, or if the attackers will take it over. One of the largest raids in that game was when the Sand Sharks wanted to take the most heavily fortified fort from the USCPF. Mm -hmm. So you, you have this uh, high-tech military fighting heavily outnumbered by all four tribes of these bandits coming together and just swarming the place and taking out everything. Listen, at this point, I would not be surprised if there was a Furby tabletop or something of that scenario. <laughs> I feel like anything can be a roleplay resource right now, which is cool. I, I think that is awesome. I love that people can just jump into stories. I think every universe can be explored. I think it's all just up to us as a community to do it. But speaking of jumping into stories and universes, I would like to go ahead and bring in my friends from the Roleplay Reject. 
Hello, hello, hello. We are Roleplay Rejects, an actual play podcast that is all about new and unusual tabletop roleplaying games. Our show explores various roleplaying systems and their associated worlds while being guided by one of the rejects as Game Master. Each story is entirely separate and designed to be listened to in any order and comes complete with laughter. Bippity boppity, I'm going to take your lunch. <laughs> and sadness. I've never killed anything before. Huns. We struck Yukon gold. <laughs> and whatever the hell this is. <laughs> so what are you waiting for? Listen to Roleplay Rejects wherever you get podcasts. So... Um. Uh, yeah. Out of curiosity, like uh, uh, I kind of want to go off on a side bit here. How how did you yourself wind up in Roblox roleplay? And so, well, I, I find this all very fascinating because Roblox roleplay, y- you look at it and you don't think that's something that adults are going to do, right? Now, I shouldn't say that adults cannot roleplay in Roblox. It just does not seem... Like, because it looks like you're playing with a bunch of Legos in a video game. And whenever you hear Roblox, normally it's tied to a kid of some kind. Like, outside of the Roblox sphere, everybody looking in doesn't really see it as, like, a mature grounds of role-playing, if that makes any sense. Not like D&D or World of Warcraft or whatever, as mature as those can be. Um, So, it's funny that you mention that. uh Because the thing with Roblox is... When everyone is, so I joined back in 2010, mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't as well known, and it was the type of game that taught you um, programming and scripting and how to kind of make everything work, so it really drew in an adult community, but over the years... um. Roblox has slowly been going super PG, super snowflakey, censoring every word in the English language just so some kid doesn't get um some just so some kid doesn't get his feelings hurt and like you can't even type out certain numbers without their censorship program going haywire and censoring everything. Like, I could type in the number 36, and it would censor it. Why? 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 No one knows. No one knows the actual secret behind their censorship. It is the most outrageous thing I've ever seen. They have one of the worst censorship, um, like, profanity filters ever. And a lot of... The thing with Roblox is the reason why a lot of people don't really talk, like a lot of adults don't really talk about it anymore, Mm -hmm. is because they really started catering to little children, and that's all fine and dandy, but the real thing that really deterred a lot of people was was them bringing out a program called Developers Exchange. Now, what developed... So, the way games used to work was if you made a game, anyone who visited would give you um, this old currency form known as tickets mm-hmm. or ticks. Now, if you got enough tickets or ticks, mm-hmm. um, we'll just call them tickets because it's simple, you could 
exchange them for Robux. And that's just what, that was what people were enticed to do because you could use this Robux to buy hats and hairs. Well, hairs were ha hairs are hats and and whatever, but you could buy accessories. Now, clothing uh, was made by people and sold for tickets. You could sell them for Robux, but it was mostly just for tickets. And that's how everybody were was able to make their own clothing. You would open up something as simple as Paint.net or MS Paint and use their template and sort of design your own outfits using mm -hmm. the template that they gave you. Which is but cool. then, the, but then came Developers Exchange. Developers Exchange was the ability to change Robux into real money. The idea was cool at first, but whenever there's a way, wherever there's a method to make money, there are people who will capitalize on it and do everything they can to make a quick buck. Mm -hmm. So eventually they removed tickets completely. So now the free 10 tickets that you got every day, the free method of getting clothing has been removed. So this, this happened in, I, I think, 20... 2017, I think. I could be wrong about that, but because um, tickets was the only way for kids who didn't want to spend money on the games, so, so typically middle schoolers and high schoolers who didn't have jobs yet, they would use the tickets to buy their clothing. But now, because tickets are removed, they have, kids have to ask mommy and daddy for their credit cards so they can get a bunch of Robux. I'm sure you've seen funny stories where kids steal their parents' credit cards and spend $1,000 on Robux. Yes, or I have. Fortnite V-Bucks and, and whatever else. So, and then, so what people started doing was um, the adults, they started making companies. And this is where it gets bad. So before this, early on in Developers Exchange, it was a lot of motivation to make the best game that you possibly could, that people would enjoy. And that was what really pushed After the Flash to be as good as it was. And it came out with another couple of really revolutionary games. Phantom Forces was the number one first-person shooter for a long time. Um, and it, it slowly got phased out. But what's funny to me is what it got phased out by. So there's a couple of companies now that have come in. They basically find the best developers that they can. They pay them a salary. A salary. And they essentially shit out these generic copy-paste cookie-cutter games that for somehow make it to the front page of Roblox's uh, Discovery tab. Now, dis the Discovery tab is where people go to find all the games that they might want to play or try out and whatever. Right. And so, company and so companies... Full corporatism, they come in, make these cookie-cutter games, and because they're so popular and because Roblox now has such a high reputation, they're getting um, a lot of collaborations with um, game studios that are coming out with IPs catering to kids. 
one of them being Sonic the Hedgehog from Sega. And they made a really cheap game where you play as a Sonic character, you run along a path, collect um, rings, and slowly get faster and faster and faster and faster and faster. Now, this is exactly what I'm talking about when I say cookie-cutter game. So, there is a type of game out there that is called that, uh, that follows a what I call the simulator formula. Like, weightlifting uh, simulator, or speedrunning simulator, or whatever else. And basically what it is, is you either have a game that requires you to collect the same resource and do the same action over and over and over just to make your numbers higher, your character bigger, your character faster, whatever, but it's the same same action. Same, it, it, same. It's basically made for people with, like, ADHD... Well, I, I don't even know if someone with ADHD would play this, but they... they let's take a, a weightlifting simulator, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or fighting simulator or whatever. Basically you sit at a weight bench and you constantly click your left mouse button over and over and over to make your character pump iron and get his arms bigger and bigger and bigger until it's this ridiculous, crazy uh, um, proportion. And then you can fight other players using this strength and kind of bully them. And it's like, why would you spend hours doing nothing but clicking your left mouse button. But for some reason, with little kids, it works, and they get popular, and kids play for hours, which generates revenue, and that is how these companies make their money. It's like I was saying, Sonic the Hedgehog Simulator. You're running, you're collecting rings. It's the same path every single time. You just so, get faster and faster and faster. Let me let me ask you this, kind of getting back onto the topic of role play in general, but still with Roblox. If right. I were to say I want to get into Roblox role play right now, in your opinion, would it be worth it? Um, it it honestly depends on your likes and dislikes. Mm-hmm. Um. And the reason why I say that is because specifically in uh, like 2023, everyone's super sensitive about everything. And so now there are all sorts of, um, there's all sorts of rules and sort of restrictions on what you can say and what you can do without pissing somebody off and mm-hmm. that that's really sad to see because there is so much you could do but because everyone's oversensitive you can't do any of it and there's been a huge influx of little kids mm-hmm. and normally that's not a problem right you know that, that it's what keeps the game alive but when they're flooding into servers, it gets hard to moderate, and eventually, because of real life, people eventually lose interest, and they just don't want to deal with it. So they abandon the game, and it eventually dies. 
like the most popular after the flash right now is um Wintertide mm-hmm. which uh is set in uh it, it's set kind of around Lake Erie, Ohio. Yeah. And there right now there are only like 365 players playing this. Now, I say that but each server is like 100 people. So um it's not it's not terrible but it it's kind of hard to find the right community especially one that's full of actual role players and not little kids pretending. Yeah. So um, actually, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to make a slight comparison to Guild Wars 2. Guild Wars 2 used to be kind of like that for a while there, but I think we're slowly starting to see a bit of a I'm not going to say a renaissance in roleplay activity, but like we're starting to see more roleplay activity in Guild Wars 2 as well. A lot of people are coming back to that. I don't know if it's with the recent expansion or with whatever they're doing, but it seems like more and more role players are coming back to the game. Do you think it could ever happen to Roblox? No, absolutely no? not. And the reason why I say that is because the um, so the company behind Roblox, they are not they're they're not the best people. They make a lot of scummy decisions, and um, the amount of censorship really limits what you can say in games, so it's hard to get a full RP sentence out because half of it will be replaced by the hashtag placeholder for profanity, Mm -hmm. even when it's something completely harmless. Oh yeah, when when companies get involved, I don't think a lot of people understand this, uh, or, or even think about this a lot. When companies get involved, role players are often kind of not. I'm not gonna say screwed. They're like they're not fucked, right? But less an example taken when. Uh, do you remember the recent scandal in, with um, Blizzard and how uh, a lot came out and how. They, uh, how everyone found out that someone died during a business trip and there was a lot of abuse going on in the office and stuff like that. Well, I knew about the abuse, but I didn't know about the death. Yeah, someone, someone died and it was very heartbreaking for a lot of people because no one expects the company of their favorite game to act like that, to be like that. We expect professionalism. We expect people who understand us, not that sort of shit. And when that happened, there was a mass exodus from uh, from World of Warcraft. And it left one of the larger, at least on the Alliance side, it left one of the larger role-playing uh, com- uh, servers just dead on, over on one side. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because a lot of World of Warcraft players ended up going into Final Fantasy fourteen. And I that. For, a while, for a while, Final Fantasy XIV was really, really good for roleplay. I mean, on the Crystal Data Center, which is the main North American data center, th- there were two worlds that were very popular for RP. There was Balmung, which was... Mm-hmm. It was mostly degeneracy, but you could find some good stuff there if you uh, looked... Um, if you looked for it. And then Mateus. Mateus was the... That's the one I'm on. Yeah, that's the one I'm on as well. That that was the go-to world for 
everything. Right. That that you know, if you wanted your serious RP, you wanted your adventures, you know, the action, that's where you would go. But then WoW players started rolling in. And on the one side of that, you have a bunch of sweats and both toxic and casual players flooding in, but now it's drowning out the RP community, and the mm-hmm. RP community that's left is replaced by the abnormal amount, like the absurd amount of degeneracy that went on in WoW's RP, because I've tried getting into WoW RP, and mm-hmm. everywhere I looked, no matter what uh, world I decided to play on, it was all um, people soliciting ERP, like erotic roleplay, and so that I became. Don't, did you what what server did you play in? Because uh, I don't think you and I played the same game. I mean, there take are a, definitely people... take a take a wild fucking guess which uh, server oh, I played. Oh, uh, hold on. Well, okay. So you're talking about Moonguard, right? Yes. Okay, alright, so I take back everything I said. I was not on Moonguard, I was on uh, Warmest Accord, and Warmest Accord bit the fucking bullet when the uh, when um, the exodus happened. Uh, apparently the Horde side is still just rocking. Not as strong as it was uh, originally, but it's still going just fine. The Alliance side? Nothing. The streets used to be filled with people role-playing all the time in Stormwind, and it was so cool. You could just walk down the street you could go down to the park and then boom you're in some role play or you could go to the blue recluse boom you're in some role play and it was so fun of course you still had your people out there who were doing the who who wanted to uh who were just looking for erotic role play and you know that's fine not my not my cup of tea all the time um but it, you would definitely be able to find a, a lot more mature role play uh, on yeah. the warmest cord and I don't I haven't been to Moonguard. I I made a character on Moonguard, but I haven't joined it in any of the role playing just because I haven't had the time. So I don't know what Moonguard roleplay looks like right now. It could so, be degenerate. It has always been the the bunt of the joke that Moonguard was the more degenerate one. It could have changed. I don't know. So Moonguard essentially from my experience cool. take Balmung uh-huh. and amplify that. Like, it, it basically, it, it, so, ERP in Final Fantasy, at the very least, had a sort of code, or standards. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, people would stay away from, you know, just to list off a few very, very estranged fetishes, you know, scat, and mutilation, vor, stuff like that, they stayed away from that, because... There, there's like degeneracy, and then there is depravity, right? Right, and Moonguard was depraved. My God, the and the worst part of it is they did this shit publicly. There wasn't. Oh, they yeah. didn't, they weren't making parties and doing everything in a private chat or or through uh, whispers or anything. They were doing this publicly, and it was the most fucked up shit that I had ever witnessed. And these people, who have the same voting rates as us, are now moving to Final Fantasy all because of this huge debacle, which they, too, well, I can't say in real life, but, like, 
in character were responsible of doing. And now, obviously, I'm not going to compare the two because one's in-game characters versus actually doing it. But you have all these people with all these ideas in their heads now coming to Final Fantasy. And so the little RP community that remains and isn't drowned out by the, by the vast majority of people who are playing the game for the sake of playing the game, um, they're now being replaced or influenced by these um, ERP addicts. Mm-hmm. And so now... The only roleplay that you will ever find are the following. Fight clubs, restaurants, including bakeries, cafes, um, or sit-down restaurants, um, dance clubs, um, and this kind of falls in line with, like, modern strip clubs, brothels, anything like that. And even the fight clubs, like, even, like, the fight clubs, even they have adult themes to them, and, like, the only place you can go to where ERP isn't a thing are the restaurants 75% of the time, because Mm -hmm. there are a few where they'll have, like, a secret upstairs or a secret downstairs where you can peruse a different type of menu as they put it and a lot of them do have a hidden menu which is very very easy to find on their card um i don't know if you're familiar with cards Mm c-a-r-r-d so the for the folks out there who don't know card is a place where you can go ahead and make a sort of like um like a profile for your character or your venue, you can basically have it set up. Um, you have the front page being like a picture of your character and a very brief description. And then for the folks that want to look more into the character, um, you can set up buttons and whatnot for them, which have embedded links to another card page that you've created within the same profile that will go into um, backstory in character details, whatever you want to put there, contact information, like out-of-character information about the person behind the character, and stuff like that. And so what these some of these restaurants do is they have a button that leads to a secret menu where you can pay a bunch of gill um, or gold to hire someone for an hour to do whatever. And mm-hmm. that is really a shame because Final Fantasy fourteen roleplay went from these huge adventures, gigantic battles, in-depth story, character development, and just turned it into... A, eroticism. Like, yeah, eroticism with, like, a dash of slice of life, mm-hmm. which no which one is fucking that... wants. I, I can understand why people want... Uh, erotic roleplay in their RP. I think it could be fun if it's handled respectfully between two parties and so on and so forth. Uh, but 
as like I am a big fan of romantic role play, right? I love Same. romantic role play so fucking much, and I I don't know why. I just I just do. I like a cute, cozy time. I don't know why. I just fucking do. I do too. Yeah. And um and when you come to these people and you find out that oh I they just want to ERP, it's like uh, it, it would be so much better if they just told you that first before you actually started to develop like a story with them and so forth and uh, anyways i'm starting to go off on a tangent do you think that there's a way that uh, final fantasy's eroticism could be changed at all or do you think it's just perma perma stuck that way the only way i could see it fixed is if players actually got to got together and formed a gigantic community in order to drown out this ERP and, and sort of kickstart serious roleplay once again. But the problem is, like, no one wants to do that because it takes a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Because in order to do... So, let's use this as an example. I've been trying to get some folks to do an Adventurer's Guild. Now, um, some people could be like, oh, well, that's just similar to a restaurant or something, but not quite. Because the idea the, I've seen this a couple done a couple times before everything went to hell. And the the concept is yes, there's a restaurant. It there's a tavern. It, it's a tavern, there's an inn, there's rooms you can stay in um for the night and whatever. But the main uh, thing about this is there's a bounty board. Now, the bounty board will have different targets. Slay this giant monster. Slay this person. Go go investigate these these ruins. It's the the classic adventurer's guild setup, right? Exactly. And you would have your receptionist. the, uh, The main guild would control the place. And you'd have a bunch of adventurers coming and going. You could see new faces all the time, returning faces. People can meet one another and sort of connect and go on an adventure. And eventually they can decide, hey, you know, I've got my story. You've got your story. Let's explore these options together. Right? And that's how you get these little smaller groups created from the central hub. But no one wants to take the time to do it. Because everyone right. wants to make some quick gill, open a restaurant, or open a brothel, and whatever. It's like mm-hmm. you, you, they don't want to. They want a business that can sort of run itself. You only have to show up one day a week, make some quick gill, talk to some people in character, but never actually have to do anything or put time, invest any real time or emotion into it. No one wants to connect. Right. I I do want to preface this all this by people out there listening that not everything is as kind of doom and gloom as we're making it out to sound. I think we're just kind of both complaining about some of the darker parts of the roleplay communities that we've had to that we have to deal with. There is good roleplay out there. It's just you sometimes have to dig through it. You have to get through the di- the, the the dirt to get to the diamonds. Honestly, my suggestion for anyone who wants to get into roleplaying on Final Fantasy 14 Mm-hmm. Join Mateus or Balmung and look for a place doing serious RP. Just 
type in uh, like go to uh, Limsa Lominsa or Ulda and just start saying, "Hey, I'm looking for a guild that does serious roleplay." Mm. And sure enough, a guild a free company will snatch you up. Yes, no, no problem. Absolutely. Um, I I guess like the reason why I am saying it's all doom and gloom. Well, I'm not saying it's all doom and gloom. But right. I'm talking like it is, is because all of the good art role play is not mm-hmm. public. Mm-hmm. It's it's all confined within a free company or a guild or whatever, and it never goes public. There's no chance for people on the outside to just kind of join in. Is either you're part of the you're part of the guild or you're not. Right, and that has its ups and downs. Luckily, um, Final Fantasy has a system known as uh, uh, Link Shells. Link Shells? Pretty sure that's what they're called. It's Link Shells. Um, yeah, uh, Link Shells, cross world Link Shells, um, stuff like that. Now, the the only thing with cross world and well, Link Shells in general is that. If you, even if you're not wanting to join the AF free company, y- you may need to know somebody who's already in a free company or say that you're looking for a particular link shell. And then um, there's the issue with cross-world link shells and, and knowing which worlds to join at what time and, and just kind of looking around for a cross-world link shell to join. And that brings up a third issue Crossworld link shells and normal link shells um, do not connect. Now, I'm pretty sure once you are added to a link shell, it automatically turns into a crossworld link shell. If you're from another world, mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not entirely certain on that. I since I'm on Mattias and I have plenty of characters on Mattias as it is, I just never go anywhere else. So I I don't really know much about the cross server part portion of this. I, so I started out on Brynhildr, um, mm-hmm. and then I eventually moved to Mateus. But I know from experience there are a lot of uh, role players on um, Diabolos, uh, Coworl, um, mm-hmm. and uh, places like that. Um, uh, and so. Cross world link shells, although not as popular as normal link shells, still are, are, are still very useful and prominent, and are still very um, re- uh, relevant. Mm-hmm. So, because of all these players on different worlds wanting to get into RP, um, but I think the biggest thing that really hit, like universally, uh, hit hit and beat down the RP community was engines shut down. Um, so for those who don't know, engine was a site that. Oh, allowed... engine. Okay. I yes. know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yes. So engine, uh, was a website where all these communities could band together and create a public forum for all these different games. Final Fantasy had Hydaelyn role players. Um, there was one for Guild Wars Two. Um, There's one for WoW. Rune. There was one for WoW, RuneScape, Black Desert Online. You name it. 
And it was so good because all of these sites had one thing in common, and that was RP event calendars. Now, just as well, people can make huge Discord communities and do all of the same things, set up uh, an RP event calendar, set up all these forums in the form of channels and and servers and whatever, and have people moderate them like they did on, uh, on Engine. But... Because so much work went into the engine sites, no one wants to pick these games back up and recreate all of that. Because so much time was spent on these uh, engine sites, and when engine finally shut down and wiped everything, mm-hmm. there was just no reclaiming it. No one want, No one. Th- there was so much time and effort put into it, and to have so to do many that stories all over again. Just, yeah, so many stories it, every, just gone. Exactly, and it would be way too much work, and now people are older, they didn't have as much time as they used to when they first made the site and set everything up, because a lot of people were in high school, or, well, in school in general, and had the time at home to to do that and, and whatever, but then everyone grew up after everything was made and set in place, and they got jobs, and their time online started decreasing and decreasing little by little because of the adult life and that is the biggest reason that is one of the biggest reasons why a lot of these communities don't really have a place to kind of gather and look for resources anymore is because there's just no time to recreate all of it so we 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 are we okay so we're coming up to the end of this because we're coming up to an hour and an hour is a hard limit for me. But I do want you to know that um, I have been trying to make a website called uh, the Core Role Players Guild, which is supposed to do this. It's supposed to help bring us all back together. And it's been a slow progress because I don't know shit about web development, but I've been so passionate about it. That's one of the reasons why I started this podcast is because I wanted to talk to role players and I want to get their opinions and I want to talk to them and I want to understand the community the best I can so that when I build this dumb thing, I say dumb thing, I shouldn't call it dumb. When I build this thing, it will it will be exactly what we as a community need. Um, I'm going to start ranting again. I shouldn't do that. Thank you so much for coming up to the podcast. Thanks for having me. It was uh, really good to get a lot of these issues off my chest. No, I, I'm more than happy to hear it. I, I thought this was a wonderful conversation. Um, But really quick, before we, we go, I always like to ask if you have any, if you, do you have any advice for anybody who's wanting to get into role player or is a role player right now that you think they should hear? Honestly, whether you're new, returning, or have been playing for a while, the best place to start is in your uh, public chats. Look for, uh, look around for guilds and ask around about guilds who are uh, like participating in the type of roleplay that you're looking for. Um, and honestly, just keep at it. Don't don't give up and, and don't give in to the. Um, to, to what happens in public like y- you will find something right you will find it You'll, like i said like we were talking about earlier you might have to dig but you will you will get there if you just keep trying uh, right anyway it does, doesn't always take that long either 
Yeah, no, sometimes you just get right into it. Like, I I went back to Guild Wars 2. I wait, no, I can't do this. That's it. That's the episode. I can't. That's all the time we got. <laughs> That's all the time we got. Goodbye. And that's all the time that we have for this episode today. Again, thank you so much for coming on and joining me. I would like to give a shout out to Kate McGee, my Master at Arms patron, which I really appreciate the support, everybody. Every single day, it feels like we're just growing more and more. And I can't tell you how thrilled I am because I believe that as a community, as we go through and as we get to talk to more people, we can build this community to be something great, something beautiful, something remarkable someday. And the fact that I have so many people joining in and listening is just great. Thank you so much.